Coming up, readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Hone sympathy. Harness Sayadar and Sayadeen. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. What's up, Bridge Four? Welcome to another episode of Phantology. This is Steven. We're covering Way of Kings. Now, you uh, you may have heard of it before, and I have uh, Ben on once again. Ben, how's it going? Going well, Steven. And we have a new guest, a first-time reader of the Stormlight Archive that we're going to kind of gear this episode around. His name is Daniel, and he's my roommate, and uh, we're ha- we're happy to have him on. Daniel, how's it going? Good. I'm excited. <laughs> nice. So, uh, so we're going to kind of gear this episode in a way so that uh, it's like first time reading of The Way of Kings. A lot of listeners have read the book before, but uh, they may be interested in the perspective of a newbie or, you know, you kind of want to go back in time to remember how it was for you the first time <laughs> you read it, uh, yeah. since we, we've read it a few times. So tell us a little bit about your history of, of fantasy book reading and maybe just like your impression of the Stormlight Archive in general, because yeah. going into Stormlight Archive is a pretty big commitment. It's a, it's a <laughs> big book. There's a lot going on. How was that? Yeah. Okay. Um, I've done a little bit of fantasy reading. Um, it's been a long time, though. I feel like college knocked everything out for me. All, all leisurely yeah. reading went out the window at that point, um, just with all the reading. But um, in the past, I, I have gotten into some fantasy reading. So, I mean, obviously, I mean, a lot of people like Harry Potter. That was something that I got into. Sure, I read, sure. Yeah, I read them multiple times. <laughs> I like uh, Aragon, Aragon series. I thought that okay. was pretty good. Um, Artemis Fowl. So those are a couple of the series that I like. Okay. Yeah, we've we've actually, we haven't covered Aragon. We did, uh, Ben and I both read Artemis Fell and we reviewed it for the podcast, right? We did. Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> Steven was not very complimentary about the movie though. So. Oh, yeah. I still need to see that. Oh, no, you don't. The movie was no. a mess. <laughs> okay. Hard pass on that. And the Aragon movie, also terrible. Yeah, I didn't like the Aragon movie at all. They strayed so far from the book. Uh. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Ironically, Poloni posted like a defense on Twitter just today about the movie. I just saw him scrolling through, so it was funny. Oh, he he liked it. I I I didn't stay long. I've never seen the movie or read the book, so I didn't know if it was like a tongue-in-cheek type thing. But he was like, uh, "You can't top the movie." So I don't know if it was a sarcastic or just like actually huh. defending it. Okay. I I hesitate to say too much because he's been active on our Twitter polls, so I don't want to like, you know, <laughs> put words in his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He actually just released a new uh, science fiction book not too long ago that I read earlier this year. So he's, he's writing again. Okay. So let's talk about, uh, let's talk about Way of Kings. So Daniel's read a little bit of fantasy and after those more kind of YA things, you decided to jump right into (laughs) like the most dense, I mean, not the very most dense, but uh, a very involved series. You know, the Way of Kings is what a thousand pages long 
and there's a ton going on. So was that a bit jarring at all? Or like, did it take a while for you to catch your breath going into it? I, I don't think it took that long, to be honest. I think there was, there were a couple of moments that really caught me. So one of those moments at the very beginning was with Kaladin and he was in the slave trade and they're like, he was in like in the wagon and he saw yeah. the slave just getting killed. And uh, like that scene, I think started to hook me. Like, I mean, Seth, he was very fascinating, but then that scene with Kaladin just really hooked me in. So I don't, I don't think it took me too long to get into it. And then with, with uh, college reading, I feel like this wasn't too dense. I thought it was, it was very like, okay. like the, the characters are complex, but not, not too complex at all. Man, I thought you would have been hooked when you had like somebody on the very first page, like walking on walls and stuff. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that, at the that, beginning. that definitely intrigued me. So yeah. <laughs> You're like, what is this guy doing? He's like falling from the, or falling from the ground up to the ceiling. He's <laughs> slicing through people with this weird, weird big sword. Yeah. And, and I guess not very first page because oh, it starts, with, it starts with the prelude, which mm. was probably still a little confusing to you. Like, can you think back to oh, the, yeah. the prelude, like any notion of what's going on there yet? Yeah, I just remember there the like the two guys. It was after this like large like battle, which was one of the desolations, I think. And um they were leaving like humans behind. They were like saying, We're we're done with this. And it was nine, I think. Right. There was some kind of like thing that was being broken and there were mm-hmm. they were putting their big swords into the ground and they talked about leaving someone behind. Yeah. And uh I guess we're not going to talk too much about that. If, if you're not sure what's going on, we'll, we'll leave that to you to discover as you go through. We're not going to do spoilers past Way of Kings if you are listening and have only read the first book. Yeah. Uh, we, we don't want to spoil for Daniel. Yeah, we wouldn't want to do that to Daniel. He's been gracious enough to come on here. Yeah. Okay, so let's, uh, before we jump too much into the plot, let me just say if you like what we're doing at Phantology, you can find more at www.phantologybooks.com and you can support the show at patreon.com slash phantology underscore books. So that out of the way, I wanted to ask you, Daniel, to kind of guide the conversation here. Okay. Which of these aspects of the book did you like the most? The characters, the world building, or the plot in general? Hmm. That's, that's a hard question because each one of them I, I feel like he nailed it on on each one in different aspects yeah I loved I loved seeing how deep the characters were like you could see multiple sides of them you could see you know Kaladin getting frustrated you could see Dal Dalinar like you know deciding to give up his uh you know high high princedom yeah and, and then at the same time you could see them making huge sacrifices so you could see that they had multiple elements to each of the characters, which I loved about, about that. So I thought that was really, really important. The world building was also really fascinating just because it is a departure from, you know, from our world in, in such a large way. Um, yeah, it's not like your typical European-esque setting that a lot of epic fantasies go for. Yeah, exactly. Which, which I loved, and I loved how each of the different parts of Rochar have unique things about them. That that especially with the interludes, I think that intrigued me. For example, the one where there was that guy who was studying the spren. Mm-hmm. 
and like with the the tattooed beggar or something like that like that was yeah. hilarious or, no not the tattooed beggar the tattooed you know guy who's studying this friend oh, that was fun right i think axie's the collector is that yeah that dude? yeah i yeah, think he's so. interesting. <laughs> and then the other part was the plot yeah the plot was really good too um <laughs> so, you, so you loved it all too hard to make a choice yeah i would i would say probably the characters though the characters definitely drove it and i think that's probably the best way to have it go but i mean the other points were pretty strong with you Okay, your decision has been made. The lot has been <laughs> yeah, cast. I've, I've cast my vote. <laughs> I think that that's important because, I mean, I think characters are the strongest suit as well. I remember when my brother was telling me about this book back in like 2011, he was like, it's about a, it's about a slave who is trained as a surgeon who becomes a warrior. And I was like, that is such, it just sounds like an interesting character. You know what I mean? Like so many different parts of those conflicting identities would make a very, very like intriguing person. And the other thing is a book might have a strong plot, but with a with an epic fantasy like this, where there's going to be 10 books down the line, some books are going to have better plots than others in that series. But if you're not hooked with the characters, then you're not going to make it through it. You know what I mean? So that's I think that's probably the most important thing to really nail. Yeah, I, I agree with that. My favorite book is Name of the Wind. And there's not a whole lot of plot in the book, to be honest. Like things happen for sure, but it, <laughs> there's no big epic battles like you'd hope for in a fantasy. But the characters are so awesome that like, I don't, I don't care. You just yeah. hang out with these guys forever. And I kind of feel the same way. Like I'm fine to hang out with Bridge Four and Kaladin and the boys and, and you know, and collect the, the what the, the sapweed stuff or whatever that is and, and get some, uh, get some gems and then, uh, you know, go, go down in the salvage crew and the chasms, like all of those things. I, I could do that forever just because I like all the characters so much. Yeah. You just want to, you just want to spend some time with rock around the campfire, eating some of his stew, some oh, yeah. stew, you know, <laughs> like that just sounds like an ideal way to spend an evening. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So which character was your favorite then Daniel? And we'll start to, we'll start breaking them down. Awesome. Well, I think I've talked about this, with you about this a little bit, Stephen. At different times, I was intrigued by different characters. So Seth, in my opinion, he he had some of the most jaw-dropping moments. Or I mean, at the very beginning and, and middle part for me. Yeah. Um, Dalinar, the moment when he was like trying to figure out, okay, do I want to stay on or or leave? Like he he's got some interesting stuff. But at the very end, I think Kaladin was the one um, who who I was most intrigued by. Um, I love, I loved his, his, he was going to go get it no matter what the cost was like at those moments where he was like, I don't care what this means or what I'm going to have to sacrifice. I'm going to do it. If it means saving someone. You've chosen correctly. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah. I, I think most people, most readers are most attached to Kaladin. I think in part just because of the way that Sanderson deals with his chronic PTSD and depression and people can just relate to that on a human level. Mm -hmm. And that really just draws you in and, and you'll see as the series goes on how that progresses, but it's handled really well in a really believable and authentic way. And I think people just appreciate that and latch onto that. And I loved his backstory, like learning about like, his relationship with Tian and uh, like the terrible things that happened to his family. Like, he, I, I don't know. I, I loved just learning everything because I mean even seeing his decision to become a soldier 
like that wasn't I mean he was wanting to do that in the beginning but then after a while he's like no I'm gonna be a surgeon I'm gonna you know do what my family thinks I just loved the development of that Mm -hmm. and it kind of started at the whole honor chasm moment right Ben I know this is something that you've kind of talked about before this is a moment that you like yeah I think that's probably one of the more gripping parts of the book right like it for one, it shows how his and Sil's relationship just is so important to him and so kind of fundamental because she kind of talks him off the ledge a little bit. Doesn't that happen? Yeah, that happens. Yeah. 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 She So she brings him the poisonous the po- uh, like yeah. black spain or, or whatever it's called. And she's I'm like, not remembering the name of this. any plants, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he kind of is able to kind of switch gears and kind of pull himself out. And I think it's really important because he never, like, even though Kaladin's character progresses and he never, like, breaks out of depression, which I think is a very realistic portrayal. Like, he'll he'll get off of the precipice, but it's always kind of there for him, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that that is one reason why people love it so much is because it just shows him kind of at his worst times and at his best times. But even in his best times, he still has kind of this thing that is afflicting him. Yeah, yeah, well said. How, okay, so how about when uh, he takes on leadership of Ridge 4 and the crew starts to come together? I mean, these are some, maybe not fist pump moments, but these are some real feel-good <laughs> moments when you, you know, you, we always kind of know what Kaladin's potential is. And then when you see him taking on the leadership and fulfilling it, it's really satisfying. Definitely. I, I definitely agree with that. And I, I, I thought it was interesting because it, in, in, in a real world situation, a person in such a hopeless situation, you know, deciding to take charge in some format, like a lot of people are going to be like, no, like, I don't, I don't want any of this. Like you're, you're trying to do something that's not going to work or, but yeah. him consistently, like after the honor chasm, him consistently, like, you know, taking those steps to, to help others, like people just, go after that like i love that and i love how we can see like the potential of others to help out with that process with like rock for example uh-huh he, he could see how rock could bring people together in a way that he maybe couldn't have done yeah i think it's especially like crazy considering his character because he as you learn his backstory he had tried to become a leader with slave rebellions and it just every time ended up in like everybody getting killed right and somehow he would survive but like Mm -hmm. and so and you also like learn count that he had like a girlfriend who got killed as well like when he was a slave right like you have all these times where he kind of assumed that leadership mantle and just got cut down for it i mean even with his the sharp blade thing with his uh with his crew you know it just so crazy that he kept on finding himself in that position and was able to put himself in that position time and time again to to become a leader even though it hadn't worked out for him in the past i also love one of my favorite scenes of the whole book was when he um just went over and started carrying that big log or whatever and he just like did laps and everyone was like looking at him like what is this joker doing (laughs) you know it was just such a cool way for for him to kind of start being a leader and start kind of leading by example, even if nobody was going to follow him, he was going to go be a better man himself. And I think that that's really the essence of his character. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I like both of those points. I like what you said, Daniel, about him kind of selecting rock 
And he does this with others, you know, as well. He kind of makes, he makes Teft the drill sergeant, right? He's able to see the potential in people. And he knows that while he is charismatic to an extent, he can't be kind of that ray of sunshine that some of these other guys can be like rock. And I think that's the sign of, of good leadership to put people in the right position so everyone can succeed. I, I thought it was also cool that, you know, Teft is the one that, end up saving him was it teft or sigzel that had that it was teft, teft. right teft. yeah mm-hmm. that like saved him after the storm and so it was cool that he like you know ultimately mm-hmm. kind of trained the person that would save him um let's talk about sill and magic and high mm-hmm. storms and uh how, how is all that working with the stormlight so one big moment here is when kaladin gets strung up to be killed executed by the, the storm father by um, you know by the high storm and he survives somehow Daniel what are you kind of thinking in terms of the, the magic and, and what do we have here and was this a moment that was kind of like a light bulb for you mm, that's a good question I don't know if it was necessarily a, a light bulb but it definitely definitely pointed me to like there's something greater going on like most people would have died in that situation but mm-hmm. something was in, in, in an essence, protecting Kaladin. And Syl seemed to be there with him during that moment. And so, yeah, kind of that, that magic, it seemed, it seemed like Kaladin wasn't just by himself in that moment. And he obviously, I mean, the, the Stormlight and the, and the Gemstones, that's obviously the source of mm-hmm. the magic. I believe in the, he also heard the voice of the Stormfather. I think, uh, I think he said, Odium reigns this this mm-hmm. ominous thing going on so hints at this larger conflict that we might be getting into like maybe it's more than just this uh simpler conflict as these slaves are trying to survive so that's something that i really appreciate there's all these layers to the story there's the the base kind of human conflicts and then there's the whole whatever it is going on with uh these like much larger maybe god-like figures almost I, I love some of the artwork on Reddit of, of that scene of like still like standing in front of him and uh, kind of like warding off the storm or trying to same same mm-hmm. with there's a cool piece of art when when Kaladin was trying to was almost dead and there was like the rot spren or the death spren and it showed like still like fending them off with a yeah with a sword. that's really a good cool. one yeah yeah and that's the other thing that you love, like I love about these books, is there's such a thriving community around them that you can just like go online and absorb yourself, and just like appreciate other people's artwork that kind of branch off of it. Maybe mm-hmm. don't do that until you're done reading the series. Mm-hmm. Most people are pretty respectful of spoilers, but yeah, the the internet is always you know a little dark <laughs> and full of spoilers. So um, ask me, and I'll show you stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cool. Okay, let's talk about the the backstory and the flashbacks and everything. That's a little bit of a different structure to the story. So I know some people have said that you know they love the story of Bridge Four, and then when it's like back in Hearthstone, healing people, they're like, yeah, I don't really care about this. I want to hear about Bridge Four. How how are the backstories for you? Was it too jarring? Was it just right? I I loved the backstory. I felt like that was so necessary to like further the story because the backstory kind of gives you an idea of what Kaladin wants and why and what has happened to him in the past. I think it also shows you like this, 
I mean, it, it doesn't entirely show everything, but it kind of shows the motivations behind why he wants to protect the, um, you know, those that can't protect themselves. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of gives you a, a reason to believe that, you know, as he's moving forward. And then what about the ultimate uh, betrayal? Once we, you know, the, the hook throughout a lot of the book is what happened to Kaladin, right? Like what is this missing piece in his backstory? And then when you find out everything that went on with Amaram and the, the shard bearer that he killed and then the betrayal of Amaram and killing his men, that was that pretty shocking and, and devastating to you when that finally came out? Yeah, like totally. Like Amram's the worst. So um, <laughs> no, but it, it was shocking because I knew that something went on so that Kaladin didn't trust any of the light eyes, right? Right. And he trust and, and and earlier in some of the flashbacks, it showed him like, oh yeah, Amram, like I can trust him. Maybe not all of the rest of them. Mm-hmm. And so, I, but I didn't necessarily picture it that jarring, like that scene where he was gonna, you know, shut the windows basically, or right, 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 whatever right. over the windows. And I, I mean, that was just. That, that was there were three moments in the book where I was like, I need to set it down for a little bit because like this is a lot. And that was one of those <laughs> moments um, where I was just okay. like, I I hate Amaram. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, that was crazy. And it was it there's space between where Kaladin succeeded in killing the Shard Bearer, right? I, I can't remember the exact sequence. It's, but like Yeah, there's some separation. Okay. But it was such a cool scene where he like stuck the guy through the through the visor plate or whatever with his knife or that like Uh because his spear got like cut and then he like was able to do that and you're just like riding the high of that flashback right and then you're just like body slammed by like this horrible event that happened and so yeah it's just as the highs and lows of that book are just crazy yeah. The hatred that he has for the light eyes can sometimes be a little annoying you're like come on man get over yourself but then when you actually get what happened, it seems pretty justified, right? Like, I don't think I trust the light eyes either. <laughs> yeah. And especially uh, with what, what happened with the city lord with- uh, uh, With Roshan. Roshan, yeah. Like, yeah. so he's like, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on, you know, like he's not gonna, like he gets let down by Roshan. Then he gets let down by Amaram. I mean, who else is he supposed to like let himself get let down by, you know? Dalinar? So, Dalin, is, Dalinar, is Dalinar gonna let him down? No, he's not. Oh no. <laughs> okay, let's let's pivot over to Dalinar. We spent a lot of time on Kaladin, but that's fair because yeah. the book is it's Kaladin's book mostly with his backstories. Before we move on, Daniel, are you aware of like the structure of the books? Like how each of them will focus on one of the main characters? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think overall that's one of the coolest like structures too, is to like each book like deep dive into one of these characters. Yeah, yeah, I love that. So Dalinar, uh, there's there's a lot of Dalinar, but not as much as there as there is in some other books. So main things with him are the whole visions and the this this admonition to unite them, whatever that means, and and this struggle that he has with upholding the old traditions and deciding if he wants to advocate to Adolin. So he's this very conflicted character, and we're seeing him not in the twilight of his, of his age, but, you know, more like kind of the golden years are coming on him. Like you get a sense that he was uh, this real formidable guy in the past, the Blackthorn 
people call him and now you know Adolin's a little disappointed in him because he just sits around and reads his book and um so, so all of that said what was your impression of Dalinar Daniel yeah I I feel like I connect with Dalinar pretty well <laughs> I don't know I just I mean are just, you seeing visions like are you yeah you know, yeah yeah we'll, we'll talk about that later <laughs> no but I just love like his conflict because he's having these visions people are seeing him as crazy you know even his sons are like what what are you talking about like no one can fully understand what is happening to him he doesn't understand what's happening to him but at the same time like he's bold enough and strong enough to say i want to figure this out and i i really like that about dalinar he's he's very genuine and he's very true to what you know he he thinks is right in the face of a lot of opposition right and and chiefly from sadius so between amram and sadius sadius can't remember how they pronounce it uh which one of these characters is more hated by you daniel (laughs) (laughs) both great villains (laughs) <laughs> yeah i don't know a ton about amram so that changes things a little bit um sadius i still i still feel like he's still kind of a complex character because during the assassination i mean he led off you know he, he went off in another direction kind of as a self-sacrifice yeah kind of thing so i still feel like there's some things that i don't know about him i i, I hated i hated when he left that was that was terrible. That was a gut punch. <laughs> yeah, it was a huge gut punch. Both to both the Dalinar and the Kaladin and their crew. And Adolin. And Adolin, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would say Amaram for right now, just because it was so so personal and I don't know much about him. But once I found out mo- more about Sadius, I think I think he could definitely be. Okay, so because Amaram messed with our guy Kaladin that is unforgivable to you Dalinar he can be messed with maybe he's a little uh more thick skinned so we don't hate Sadius quite as much he does have a shard plate (laughs) yeah Yeah, pretty thick skinned yeah pretty thick (laughs) I I, I still feel like I want to figure out Sadius a little bit more before I mention anything like I still feel like he's he's pretty awful but there may be some good left in him so I want to figure that out. It's interesting how there's a lot of characters that have kind of this greater good motivation. Like you get the sense that the reason that Sadius abandoned Dalinar was because, you know, for the good of Alethkar, we need to get rid of you because you're causing problems. And Amaram, I believe, said something to the effect of, you know, I'm going to be the one who needs to take this shard blade because I can do the most good with it. And Teravangian, who you don't know a ton about, but you do get at the end, he's also like a greater good, like he's bleeding these people dry in his hospitals in order to get their prophecies for some unknown reason. I, I think that's a, it's a common thread through the books, but I think it's a good villain. It's a good way to, to form your villains because then they become these gray characters. You can't just say like, this guy's pure evil. Like at some level he is trying to do good, but he's misguided. It also shows that like the way people value life is so different. Like Sadius has no problem, like sending bridge crews to their death. And does that make him super evil? Like, I don't know, like, yes, but also he's not the only one doing it. You know, like Dalinar is still going to war for gems that are Mm -hmm. kind of meaningless, you know? So 
it's kind of interesting um, just because somebody places a different value in life doesn't necessarily make them evil. And it also like, it shows that like Sadius's betrayal at the end was in that same vein. He's like, yes, I'm sacrificing a lot of life, but at the same time, you know, this greater good is interesting. Yeah. Let's talk about the big climax because uh, we were, we've covered Kaladin, we covered Dalinar. I think we're ready to kind of get into that big moment. So the battle of the tower and they get betrayed and it looks like, you know, the Par- Parshendi are surrounding them. Uh, Dalinar and Adolin are, are doomed. And then Kaladin, who's fortunately there, decides to turn around and put the bridge down and he runs out and gives his oath and explodes in light and then is awesome for a while and saves the day. So I'm assuming this was one of your three like big draw job moments. This was an awesome climax for me. Like it's, there's so many payoffs to things that are hinted out throughout the book. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, this is a huge moment, I feel like, for, for, for a variety of reasons. It brings the characters together. I mean, you get Kaladin and Dalinar together, and that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Later on in the con, uh, in in the, in the cl- climax, you also see how Shalon might might come to the shattered plains, and yeah, they might meet up. And so it's this kind of cool moment where you see, and, and then Seth will be coming also to the shattered plains. It's, it's kind of a cool and satisfying moment where you're like, oh wow, everything is starts to wrap at least somewhat together in a way. But also, it's just a lot of like emotion that you feel. As this is happening, you you feel strong emotion about Sadius, like especially oh, the moment. Yeah, especially the moment when you hear him, because I mean, I mean, he leaves, but when you see him leaving and he turns around and he says, "You should have, you shouldn't trust in me" or something like that, you're like, uh-huh. "You, you." <laughs> yeah. It's also the moment that Kaladin made the decision to turn around. I wasn't sure what to feel as a character, as a reader, because I'm like. Kaladin, this is everything you've wanted. You can just g- escape with your crew and you can like right. use the bridge to get across the plains and you can just right. like make a new life for yourself. And then you're like, part of you is just wanting, wanting, to, wanting him to leave everybody. But then you're like, no, he's going to turn around. And But that, yeah, him jumping over that chasm. Oh my gosh. It's just awesome. Yeah, top moment of any fantasy book for me. It, like got to be in the top 10 right there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't know about very top, but uh, but top ten. I, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he swears this oath. Are you? Do you have any suspicion of, of what that means or why that is significant, Daniel? So it's isn't it one of the oaths of like the night night's radiant? They say or something right. like that. I think the, they the say codes. that. Yeah, yeah. So so the first oath is life before death, strength before weakness, journey before destination, and then he swore his his second oath. Yeah, which powered him up in some way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. You'll definitely see more of that going forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I guess two other things that I wanted to mention, going along with Ben's point, I feel like the, the moment where Kaladin decided to turn around, that was a huge moment. Like that was a big decision. And, and not only was it a decision that affected him, it affected all of Bridge Four. But I felt like it was very fitting for Kaladin's character. Like even, even though he's had terrible things happen to him with the light eyes, he was like, no, there are a ton of other soldiers there that are going to get completely mm-hmm. slaughtered if, if, it's, if, if I don't turn around. Mm-hmm. And he didn't know how you know, they could do anything, but he decided to turn around anyways. And I, I think that was very fitting for, for Kaladin to do that. 
I also loved when he like rescued Adolin. I, I hope I'm remembering this right because it's been a while. And he's just like starts giving Adolin orders. And you're <laughs> like, yeah, suck it, Adolin. Like, listen to Calvin, you know? <laughs> yeah. They have a good relationship. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because <laughs> I think, was that the, no, they had met before, right? Because he had, Calvin had seen him stop one of Sadius's men from. Mm-hmm. Did they meet? Or I think he just like saw him in the army Maybe camp. Saw him. Yeah. Yeah, definitely saw him in the army camp. It was like, you know, this like, um, I think it was like a harlot or someone like, you know, getting yeah. eaten up or something like that and in the camp. And yeah, and Adolin kind of stepped in. But yeah, that was a very, because the whole time you're like, oh, I just want to see like Adolin and Kaladin because they, they're very like different people, right? Adolin's very like happy-go-lucky. Like I'm just like this very charismatic person. Kaladin's more of like this brooding, like, uh-huh like the whole world's out to get me type Very personality <laughs> yeah and so you just kind of want to see how they would hit it off and then the fact that they are they go do that like in the middle of this epic battle it was kind of a fun payoff too okay one more one more on this before we switch over to shallan so dalinar <laughs> gives up his shard blade then <laughs> last ben laughs at shallan so dalinar <laughs> gives up his shard blade so this is you know another big moment in the climax because even though the day is saved, they come back and, and Sadius is like, you know, give me back my, my bridgeman. And this is another big decision because Kaladin, this could have been like fool me thrice, right? Like a, sure. yet again, a, a light eyes has betrayed me, but no, because Dalinar is a man of honor and he gives up this priceless weapon, right? So it, it really just kind of speaks to the person that Dalinar is. He's willing to basically, I, I guess, provide recompense for the incredible service that has been done to him he feels like he owes these guys definitely in my opinion i i think there are two things that are important to this first i mean it it also fits in with dalinar's character but but it was a huge surprise at the same time it was like oh my goodness that's great the second thing i want to mention though is he didn't just give up the shard blade at that moment he he also um, made a decision to give up his shard plate to his younger son to fulfill, you know, a promise to him. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if that actually happens later, but that that tells me a lot about Dalinar. He's he's not in it necessarily for himself. He's in it to help, you know, people to fulfill his promises to do, you know, like the right things. And also like Adolin, I think Adolin's an important part in this process too, because he gives up his shard plate to Dalinar at that time. I, which I love, and and Adolin really shows his his loyalty to his dad during that final climax as well. Yeah, like Ben said, Adolin is a, a foil for Kaladin in some respects, but someone that we you know can't help but love, even though he can be kind of pompous sometimes. I think that this book did really well in showing the transition from Dalinar, maybe from being like this war hero, like this fighter, to being maybe more political. One of my mm-hmm. like least favorite, but also most favorite scenes of the book is when Dalinar is just like digging a latrine pit, yeah. and he's just like <laughs> going so hard with his with his shard blade or like the shard hammer or whatever the heck that was, uh-huh. and at the, and he's just like contemplating life. I was very annoyed at the scene when I was reading it because I was like, this is just ridiculous navel gazing. But then like looking back on it, I like it's one of my favorite scenes to kind of think back on and think back on like the growth that Dalinar experiences throughout the book. And then I feel like that all kind of culminates in his willingness to kind of 
in saving Kaladin from Sadius, he's kind of like saying, okay, I'm giving up this part of myself. I'm ready to unite them. I'm not going to be this person that's going to continually fight, you know? Yeah. I had forgotten about the latrine pit digging scene. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's talk about Shallan. So uh, she's got a plot line that doesn't really overlap with our, you know, the main focus of the book, but she is in it for a significant portion. She comes in kind of this happy-go-lucky girl. By the end, we get some hints that uh, there's something much darker possibly in her past. And she tries to become Yasna's apprentice for nefarious reasons, right? She's trying to rip her off the whole time so right away like there's some layers to her and even though she seems to be you know this this kind of pretty flower pot headed girl like really flower pot <laughs> i don't know there's not a... i'm looking forward to you writing your first female character steven <laughs> yeah um well i'm saying that's a bad that's a bad thing she's not she's right, not right. just she's not dumb she yeah, she's she very capable. Have, yeah, she's got a lot of wit to her. What I'm trying to ask, Daniel, is did you like Shalon's <laughs> portions? Uh, I liked her at times, and then I hated her at times. That's <laughs> fair. That's a fair, yeah. <laughs> like, when she stole the soul caster, I was livid. Like, I was like, how dare you steal the soul caster, even though you're doing it for your family? Uh-huh. Because you feel stealing is wrong in general, or you just like Yasna a lot, or you felt like it was going to lead her down bad paths. Yeah, it was a combination of all three of those, I think. Okay. So so at the moment, I was like, okay, there are these weird symbol head things going on. And I was like, oh, I mean, what are these things? Are they the the void bringers or something like that? Is she going to be like one of the evil characters in the future? Uh But like Yasna was like showing a ton of trust in Shalon by taking her on and, and you and you really like Shalon and her persistence at becoming her ward, you know, and like mm-hmm. being becoming her apprentice. And so you I mean, in my opinion, I got excited because she was like making some progress and all of a sudden at the moment um, where Yasna killed those four dudes um, out in the alleyway. And then she steals the soulcaster. You're like, oh no, she's going down the wrong path. Mm. Uh, yeah. Although kind of a questionable decision by Yasna to execute those guys. Yeah, yeah fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> I mean, led to some interesting philosophical discussion. Yasna is a very interesting character who uh, you, you, we're going to explore more. You don't get a whole lot of her, but uh, she's actually one of my favorites later on. So I think what you're referring to when you say you're worried that Shallan was going to become the bad character is like in the back, on the backside of the book, there's this weird thing written by who knows, by, by some character, right? That's like gazing upon the whole series that says like there's five characters and one of them will betray them or, or let them down or, or something like that. Um, is, is that kind of what you're suspicious oh, yeah. of? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I had yeah. forgotten all about this and now I'm worried. What? <laughs> Is this it's just on, like it's on the back it's on the back of the book on the back of the hardcover what is this like actual canon or is it just yeah <laughs> yeah i got it right here if you want to see i yeah, yes <laughs> oh my goodness the first cert oh who's writing yeah, it's, that it's uh i i can t- i can tell you later it, who's writing it, it well i guess is it does the name start with a k of who's writing it uh no oh what 
Okay, you tell me later. <laughs> it's not super important to the plot, but it is like a Cosmere thing. I'll I'll let you know. I'll let you know on Discord who's writing it. Side note, if you want to talk to us about Wave Kings or any other stuff, then hop on our on our Discord invites are in the episode description. Okay, so Shalon, other other moments for Shalon. She steals the soul caster, it goes very poorly. She fakes her slashing of wrists in order to cover something weird that she does in Shadesmar, and then it's like Yasna accepts her and off they go. I'm kind of summarizing a lot there. So but... Steven, your favorite scene happened in this book, right? With uh with her friendly yeah. pirate person. Yalb. Yeah, I like I like Yalb and the book buying thing. I just think it's fun because I like books and I like the little bargaining and the trickery there. So that right away kind of like drew me into the character. Uh, that's a side note. That's a super small. Steven really likes to book. keep track of our characters' purses. I think that's also why it's your favorite. Your favorite yeah. book is uh, Name of the Wind, just because yeah, there's I, a lot I, of token counting, <laughs> purse counting in that book. In another world, I'm an accountant, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> So anything else, anything else worth mentioning? I mean, we have Capsule, the, her, her relationship yeah. there. Were you ever convinced that Cap, I mean, yeah, tell us your experience with Capsule. Was, was that a shock? Know. Was that a shock that he was up to no good? Oh yeah, <laughs> that definitely was a shock. That, I mean, that was a very almost kind of jarring scene as well, just because you had Capsule who was, you know, betraying I mean, he, he was trying to kill Yasna and he almost killed Shalon. Um, mm-hmm. You also had a very interesting scene where Shalon decided to pull out the soul caster at the very end because she thought she was going to die. Mm-hmm. And a uh, very, very important, I think, moment there. I would say um, before that, I was pretty disappointed in, in Shalon and I'm like kind of angry with her. But after, you know, when she was persistent about, you know, continuing with Yasna, like I liked, I liked seeing that and seeing, okay, there, there, she's, she's got something good coming up. There, there are two, I, I feel like it was a sandwich, like on the outskirts, like when she's trying to convince, <laughs> trying to convince Yasna, like I really liked her. I thought she was cool. Then when she betrayed Yasna, I was like, oh no. And then after that, you know, she's she's got some okay. cool stuff. It sounds okay. like you really like your characters to be like very honest, like upstanding people <laughs> that like, <laughs> like just can fit in this like mold. That's that's very that's very Sanderson though. Like a lot of yeah. bad things happen, but the tone throughout his books is always kind of this hopeful hopeful undertones he's similar to a lot of other authors who are maybe a little bit darker but it's always with a tinge of of the good side in the sanderson books yeah okay should we skip to zeth no wait actually i wanted to ask you about the revelation that uh, yasna thinks that the parchment are the void bringers do you have any theories or what do you make of this i also want to add in like your views on parchment in general like yeah. Were they uh, just cannon fodder for our heroes to slay, or like, I mean, what did you think of them as? Yeah, like, were, were they just orcs or or what? Yeah, <laughs> I think Yasna's prediction is a little bit bogus, and in okay. my opinion, I'm gonna call it out right there. So we'll wow. see. Strong prediction. Ooh. Strong prediction. <laughs> I mean, Yasna's pretty smart. So. She is okay. smart, but I think she's off here. But the symbol heads might be the Voidbringers too. So well, I don't know. They're those rock creatures as well so i'm still trying to figure out them and uh, the thunderclasts yeah exactly yeah trying to figure out all of this but uh what i would say is i think dalinar you know when he's been fighting these parchment he's been seeing civility in them 
when uh, I forget his name, the guy on Paladin's team who's a part uh, Parsh Parshman. Um. I don't remember, but <laughs> but when he was protecting like the dead, like that, that's pretty cool. I don't think they're these brutish creatures, you know. Even even if you know, perhaps the Voidbringers might even be kind of good, or or they're just a different group of people. Perhaps that's one perspective to have. But I don't think I don't think uh, the Parchment are are the the Voidbringers because it seems like. So, so with each of the desolations, it sounds like the void bringers come, and right. uh, yep. and 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 almost wipe out a lot of humanity. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think they seem to be like that. They seem to honor and respect the wounded, like near the end. Okay. Uh huh. They definitely show a lot of honor, right? Like they don't like their yeah. dead being messed with. They they like will only yeah. fight. Like they won't surround you and fight you. Like they seem to fight in pairs. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one reason why, like Kaladin, like and Dalinar, kind of feel a lot of sympathy with them sometimes. Yeah. Okay. Daniel's on record. He thinks Yasna is wrong. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the the foremost scholar in Roshar. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's true or not, but she's pretty formidable. Okay. Uh, let's talk about Zeth because I know Zeth is one of your favorites, and then we'll kind of get to some closing points. So uh, he wasn't in the book a lot. He only shows up for a few interludes but he made enough of an impression on you, obviously. So what was it about him? Oh yeah, uh, definitely a fascinating character. I think the thing that really drew me into Seth was, I mean, first he was super powerful, but he didn't care about that. Second, like, I think just his interest and in, in, intrigue in following, I don't know what the, the principles are of, you know, not touching the rocks at the very beginning and- uh -huh. There's a lot of guilt that he he's holding within him. And I think that's really fascinating because he doesn't let himself truly be honest with himself and what he's doing. There's there's a cup there are a couple of moments in the book where he's like, Is is what I'm doing wrong? But then he immediately he turns away from that and like, no, no, I must follow. Yeah, he comes from this very different society than the Alethi, obviously. So he's from Shinovar. He's a, a Shin person. And if you remember, there's that interlude with Rissen where I believe this, this is this book where they're um, like going off to trade somewhere in this like grassland and her, her master, her Baps gives her this pot of grass. That's this book, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. So that's in Shin and because of the way that or that's in Shinovar and because of the way that the mountains like form a ring around it, it's actually a lot more like earth. And, uh, and then the culture is different as well. So there's kind of these very separate people that you'll learn more about. One, one last thing about Seth, but probably one of the most, if not the most jaw-dropping moments was when he was going to assassinate that guy in the, the palace. Okay. And uh, no, not, not Teravon. Not Teravon, okay. But, but the other one where he sees the, the guy's head already on the table or whatever it is okay and then and the the head of his previous master dropped and you realize that someone very very powerful or someone that at least knows how powerful seth is now will be his master and so that was a huge moment just because you could see okay huge destruction can come now you get a glimpse of kind of the dark underpinnings of 
the Roshar political climate, there, there's some uh, nefarious stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, and Zeth has now been tasked in the next book with uh, some problematic things, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we, we definitely look forward to, in Words of Radiance, when you finish Way of Kings, you look forward to all the characters coming together because they've been separated for so long and now you know Kaladin Dalin are finally together but now Shalon's coming in Zeth is coming in the desolations or whatever is going on is, is coming in so thunder clouds are looming literally <laughs> <laughs> okay uh let's wrap up I did want to ask you who is your favorite bridge for member do you have a favorite not counting Kaladin mm. rock, rock is, Lopin, rock is cool I think Teft, Teft. Teft, Teft is my okay. favorite yeah, I, I I don't know. I, I I think he's he's very loyal to Kaladin, and and he really. I, I mean, he he's he's about to say. I mean, he his goal is basically to save Kaladin, and a lot of the other Bridge Four are pretty loyal to are are, are loyal to Kaladin. But Teft has been there almost since the beginning, almost before Rock. Rock was the first one, but then Teft has has been there, you know, the whole time. I'm going to say my favorite's Lopin. <laughs> the, the Lopin. Yeah, the, the Lopin. Yeah. Is, is it the, I don't know. Gosh, Rock is also a real strong contender. Hmm. Ben, you have a favorite? Um, It's hard for me to not like, to choose my favorite from like, if I yeah, was that's about fair. Going, you know what I that's mean? That's fair. Yep, yep. So I, I don't want to give away any spoilers. Right. There's definitely, ben, like, ben will abstain. <laughs> yeah. There's one person I think you probably know who I'm talking about that progress like sure okay favorite, so. sure 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 okay so daniel uh maybe you don't know this but we close out a lot of our episodes with a segment that we call the worst of the best where we talk about a really cool moment or thing or or a character or something that happens in the book that we really liked except there was like one thing about it that was like oh okay that was kind of lame or that ruined it for me a little bit so that's what we're going to close with Try to think now if you have your moment. Sorry, I should have uh, prepared you <laughs> for, for this. Uh, you, but you, you can go last. Yeah, I, I want to go last. <laughs> and, uh, and it sounds like Ben has one on mind. The worst of the best. With so many exemplary moments in this book, it's almost unfair to nitpick. But that's the segment. It's the pimple on the princess. The stain on the satin. And the terror before the triumph. The unfortunate portion of an otherwise stellar performance. Someone has to point it out. Yeah, so I think that the worst of the best for me was Kaladin's time as a slave because it sets him up great as a character. Like it's one of the best parts of the book. I think this like this, this shapes him a ton, but at the same time, we don't really like ever dive into like his time leading the slaves, like his girlfriend that he had. And it really still pains me to this day that we're probably never gonna find out more about that time because we've kind of moved on from his backstory after this, right? We start focusing on other people's backstory. And so I really wish that we had learned about these other slaves they tried to run away with kind of 
it, like it makes me want just like kind of a novella of just this time in his life okay exploring these moments it's a bleak novella <laughs> yeah exactly like there's all these yeah i love that aspect of him as a character but i just wish that we had gotten more from that time maybe maybe taken some of his hearthstone time where he he was um being cheered up by teen with rocks and focus more on that that period of his life okay that's my worst of the best mine is gonna be the feasts the feasts at the war camps that dalinar and adolin and and sadius and all the uh, the big powerful lighters participate in i really like them because of the presence of wit for the majority and <laughs> he's an awesome character and he's fun however i just think the politics in general in the book uh, drag on a little much in the Dalinar portions. And I feel like the feasts are in there in order to have Dalinar doing something other than fighting because there's a lot of bridge run scenes. And so Sanderson was like, well, I got to have him develop somehow. So, you know, let's throw him into a feast. However, none of that was ever like super intriguing to me. And the whole yeah. saddle girth investigation thing, I was just like, yeah, okay, this does not matter. <laughs> um, and and in, in the end, yeah. In the, the, maybe that's really my worst of the best, but I'm, I'm already stuck on the, on the feast thing. So awesome because of wit, not so awesome just because I didn't feel like it was very important. Um, I've got Have a couple able, of mine. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if, if I don't like necessarily the way that Brandon Sanderson does these parts, but I'll throw them in there. So the part at the very end with Caravangian or Caravangian. Yeah. That was, that was, that was kind of a surprise because he doesn't seem to be a character that, I don't, I don't know. He didn't seem as ominous necessarily as the, okay. The, the moment with Seth saw, you know, the head drop, like, Oh wow. And he's not in the book hardly at all. He seems yeah, like he's, he's just some, some very, very side character. Exactly. And so that was, that was kind of unsatisfying at a, at a moment for me, just because it was, you know, you feel I, like it was like really earned. Like you had this yeah. great, like character arc with death, like going and killing all these people. And then he comes and there's just like an old man that he walks up to. Yeah. I could, exactly. yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Okay. Like, okay. like this, the scene was cool when Seth walked up and the guy didn't turn around like that. That was really cool. But to have Teravangian, you know, be the the main guy for this, that was mm. that was surprising, but also mm. not completely satisfying, at least at this moment. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, and and another another part, I think, Kaladin's girlfriend or the girl that he liked, you know, back in Farthstone. Oh yeah, La was, Laurel, Laurel. Yeah, yeah. That that was that was that was a sad, you know, a sad story. I think in general. Uh -huh. Yeah. You were into the romance. You were hoping it would oh, work yeah. out. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> or at least I wasn't hoping that she would go with Rochelle. Like that was the worst way to end it. It it does kind of give you like it kind of injects you back into like this maybe medieval medieval setting that you're used to seeing, like where this young girl is forced to kind of marry this yeah two city lord. You know that kind of it kind of brings in that flavor of fantasy. Yeah, a little it, bit it, it doesn't that. it doesn't sit great, but it does seem somewhat realistic based off what's happening yes. yeah yeah uh this is maybe not always a popular opinion but i don't love the romances in sanderson's books some are better <laughs> than others and uh yeah this okay that's that's fair this was one where you're like uh, what was the point of that because it was just uh yeah okay okay <laughs> all right 
thanks for uh, going on this journey with us. We've now reached our destination. Bada boom. Um, sorry, I had to do that. It's a great one, Stephen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't know how I came up with it. <laughs> so if you like Phantology, you can find more at www.phantologybooks.com and you can support the show at patreon.com slash phantology underscore books. Thank you so much to our special guest, Daniel, my roommate, oh. who uh, who I, who actually, I didn't even convince you. You just uh, decided to pick up the book. So uh, excellent decision. Well, maybe it's because of the shrine that you have in your room, Stephen. You're <laughs> like, oh, this looks yeah. pretty cool. What? A shrine? Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> this is a this is a professional setup for my oh. for my yeah. job, Ben. It's not a shrine. <laughs> Alright, thanks for listening. We'll see everyone next time. Awesome. Yeah, thanks.